Well, you're smart, but we don't like you. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, welcome in to the 48 Days Radio Show. Hey, our business partners today are Fresh Books and Casper, two of my favorite sponsors. I'll be telling you a little bit more about them shortly here. Well, I started off there. You heard me say you're smart, but we don't like you. You got some questions today that deal with interviewing, but not getting hired. How can that happen? Well, we'll be talking about that. Here's some other questions we're going to be looking at today. I just finished up my goals for 2019. How flexible are your goals, Dan? Do you ever change goals mid-year based on how your year is going? Golly, perfect time of year to be talking about that. Here's another question. Who says, I have bad job interview skills. My resume seems to be working because I do get interviews, but I always get the, we regret to inform you emails afterward. All right, we'll look at that. How about this? I think I'm too nice to be in business. Can I be too honest? And is that detrimental to my long-term success? Wow. Your lady wants to know, I don't love my job, but I'm staying with this because my husband is pursuing a career in freelance arts. So you need my income to pay the bills. All right. Our quotation for today is success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. That comes from Earl Nightingale. Now, what that means is you are successful as soon as you start moving toward a worthy goal. So you can be a sophomore in college and be successful. You can choose to go to live in Haiti and help build schools and you're successful because you're moving toward a worthy goal. I mean, that's what that means. So we're going to go with that definition of what success is. So the call to action is, are your goals for 2019 big enough? This is a time when you need to be setting goals. Are they big enough? But we got some hot follow-up on good news today. I'm excited to share with you, and then we'll jump right into some of those questions. Well, our business partners, I want to share with you some resources here. Now, if you are an entrepreneur, I know that if you're like me, just the idea of dealing with numbers, the numbers side, the financial side, the bookkeeping, keeping all those profit and loss statements accurate and keeping, and the big thing for me, based on some bad past decisions, the big thing for me is staying current with the IRS. Golly, as an, as an entrepreneur, the last thing I want to do based on some horrific past experience is get behind with the IRS. And I would encourage you to stay the same, to do the same. So when I talk about fresh books, it's not just to be a little more convenient. It's to save you a whole bunch of headaches. Now, when it comes to invoicing, you can send an ultra professional invoice looking, oh, you know, great looking invoice in about 30 seconds. You can set yourself up to receive online payments. I mean, that's pretty, that's a big deal. If you're concerned about cash flow and you need to get paid now, not a month from now, FreshBooks can help you do that. So check it out. Go to FreshBooks. You know they're offering you as a 48 Days listener free, unrestricted 30-day trial. 
To claim yours, go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Now, our other sponsor today is Casper. Joanne and I have been traveling a lot recently. The first thing that Joanne does when we walk into a hotel room is go and check out the, the mattress. I mean, she is a master at identifying good, bad, in-between, whatever mattresses. But that has a whole lot to do with her evaluation of the entire hotel, the quality of the mattress that we sleep on. And of course, we have some good, some bad. She knows certain hotel chains she trusts to have really high quality mattresses. Others not so great, but we always look forward to getting home because we know what we've got here. And that is a Casper, the Casper mattress that we sleep on every night when we're here. The Casper mattresses that our guests sleep on when they're lucky enough to get one of our guest rooms. Well, we know that you spend about a third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. The experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in the right places. They have affordable prices. They cut out the middleman, sell directly to you. I mean, I love that feature. You don't go to a store. You just order. Tell them what you want. They ship it to you. It comes right to your door in that, you know, how did they do that box? That's the way it comes. So you can get $50 toward a select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash sleep you love, and then use the promo code sleep you love again at checkout terms and conditions apply again, the site. And again, I really encourage you to do this. I love to get stories from newlyweds who chose a Casper mattress as one of the uses of their wedding gifts. I'm going to hear that a lot, but go to casper.com slash sleep you love. And then again, use sleep you love at checkout. Well, here's an update on one of the good news features that we had last week. Last week, I talked about there was a lady who called because her brother needed to be taken to the hospital. She had been with him, but then she left and got a message from him. He was in desperate shape, needed to go to the hospital. And she called what she thought was like the social worker. Unfortunately, but well, perhaps fortunately, the number she had was the wrong number. And she called Jimmy John's delivery guy. The Jimmy John's delivery guy went above and beyond. He just accepted the call. He didn't say, hey, look, stupid, you called the wrong number. He just said, you know, where's your brother? What we do need to help him. And he went and helped the guy, got him to the hospital. And the guy, you know, was doing fine, then released. But the story spread about this guy who just went out of his way. You know, his own car. I mean, they have their own cars, the Jimmy John drivers. So he just did it on his own time, but he just felt like it was the right thing to do. Well, here's here's the follow-up. The Jimmy John's delivery driver who went above and beyond the call of duty to help a fellow veteran in need has been rewarded for his kindness by the restaurant chain's CEO, who he had never met. Now, Jimmy John LaToud is the founder of the Sandwich Empire, flew from Chicago to Columbus, Nebraska, so he could personally deliver a thank you gift to Zach Hilmer after a wrong number dialed out of desperation became the perfectly right number. Hilmer made international headlines last week after a woman accidentally dialed Jimmy John's in a frantic attempt to call her brother's caseworker. Not knowing she had dialed the sandwich restaurant, the desperate work, woman went on to say that her brother was very sick, couldn't afford an ambulance or a taxi. And without hesitating, Hilmer, the young guy who answered the phone, volunteered to bring the ailing veteran to the hospital. So 
that's what happened. So here's the deal. After the story was picked up, and there, there was a lot of, you know, got a lot of story about that. Hilmer mentioned that he drives a 27-year-old Chevy Cavalier in need of repair. As a means of rewarding Hilmer for his good deed, Jimmy John, the founder of the company, showed up and presented the 38-year-old employee with a brand new Ford Escape. <laughs> which is really cool. The new automobile was decorated with Jimmy John's decals, which Hilmer was free to remove, but the delighted driver said he'll definitely be keeping them on. So just a great story, a follow-up there for somebody that recognized a good deed, did a good deed, not expecting any kind of compensation for that, did it on his own nickel, just like any of us would do to help somebody out, but then was rewarded in a major kind of way. Well, this is from one of our listeners, Jonathan Treberg, I believe it is, that they were raising money for a local hospital. Dan, a year and a half ago, my wife and I welcomed our fourth child two months before his due date. Through two months of care in the NICU of Strong Memorial Hospital in Rochester, New York, he was able to survive and come home. We recently also celebrated the 11th birthday of our first son, born similarly early, but who only lived for 31 days in 2007. To commemorate and honor their brothers and our two other children, just completed, we just completed a fundraising contest at their school called Jar Wars. Each class, pre-K through sixth grade, were given a jar to collect loose change over the week and a half leading up to Halloween. We were expecting to raise a few hundred dollars total over the course of the event, but we severely underestimated the competitive nature of elementary school teachers, as well as the allure of the pizza party we promised to the classroom that raised the most money. Two separate classes raised over $300, and the entire school raised well over $1,600 that will be donated to the NICU unit where our boys receive the best care around. We were totally blown away by the generosity of the students and faculty at our school. Holy Cross, I felt compelled to share this blessing with you. Thank you for all you do and the continued message of inspiration you provide with your good news on the podcast. The goodness spreads and is making a difference in the world. Well, golly, thank you, Jonathan. What a great story to get your kids involved in something like that and see it work well beyond your expectations. Well, here's a note. This has to do with Duchess Meghan, you know, the royal, uh, English royalty. She accepted a macaroni necklace gift from a young fan. Here's the deal. So we, we know that you know Duchess Meghan can look fantastic in anything that she wears. But it's pretty special when she puts on a macaroni necklace made for her by a six-year-old fan. So Galvin Hazelwood insisted on staying home from school earlier this month so he could see Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan on their Australian tour. As a means of welcoming the royal couple to his hometown of Melbourne, Gavin covered some dinosaur-shaped macaroni in gold paint, strung them onto a ribbon. He then made a sign reading, I made you a necklace, so he could capture Meghan's attention, and it worked. She accepted the little boy's gift, proudly wore it around her neck for the duration of their outdoor reception. Now think about that. I mean, there's a lot of royalty or celebrities who would just blow the little kid off or maybe even just take it and stick it in their pocket to be nice. She put it on and wore it for the rest of their time there that day. Now what happened is after Meghan Markle was seen wearing the necklace, Gavin created a website with a little help from his parents where he could continue making macaroni necklaces for $20 a pop. 
Now, if that seems expensive, it's because he's donating all of his earnings to stillborn research, a cause that is very close to his heart after he had a stillborn sister back in 2014. So since creating the website, his mother says that he's received over 250 orders from around the world. And just a great story of a little boy doing something special. It picked up. He's got 250 orders. He's given all the money away to a cause that he's very committed to. Well, here's one. This comes from Seal Beach, California. Customers keep buying up all donut shops, pastries, so the owner can go home early to be with his ailing wife. Now, here's the deal. This is Donut City in Seal Beach, California. Almost every day for the last 28 years, John and Stella Chan have opened up their donut shop at 4.30 a.m. They're always greeting customers with a smile and they barely ever take a day off. So when Stella stops showing up behind the counter, the customers asked John about her absence. <laughs> Excuse me. And they were shocked by his response. Stella suffered a brain aneurysm last month. She's been recovering at a nursing care facility. Although she has slowly regained some of her strength, she was in pretty bad shape after being taken to the emergency room. John, devastated by the incident, grateful she's starting to show signs of recovery. He's continued to run the shop by himself and always returns to her side once he's done with the day's work. So one of the regular customers realized what was happening, that he shows up, you know, opens the store at 4.30 in the morning, has his donuts, and as soon as he sells out, then he goes to spend time with his wife, who's recovering after the aneurysm. That's spread after posting her idea to a community social media page. Locals immediately stepped up to the plate. People started buying dozens of donuts, croissants, and muffins. So over the course of the last few weeks, John has sold out of his pastries several hours earlier than usual. Usually, he can close the store by 10 o'clock in the morning. Well... He says he's very grateful. People have offered to help even financially. He says, no, he's doing fine. He doesn't need the money, but he's thrilled to be able to have the time that he can go spend with his wife. Just a wonderful story, again, of human kindness and helping a gentleman so that he can address a personal need as rightfully he should. Hey, last week, right at the end of my podcast, I talked about a gentleman who had just sent me a note. He had just sent me a note that morning and I shared it on here and said I was going to share it in the 48 Days Eagles community. But here is the deal. I got a note from Robert M who said, I'm 64 years old on social security income. How can this help me? He was talking about, you know, the podcast, the 48 Days Resources, the Eagles community and so on. So I posted that simple question in the 48 Days Eagles group with the note. And I just, I put his question. I'm 64 years old on social security income. How can this help me? And I said, you guys are always so amazing at providing advice. How can we help Robert? Well, the response was immediate. And I put that up on a Wednesday and this whole transaction took place in the next two days. Well, three days, three days. So the response was immediate, not just from people in the Eagles community who are trained in coaching, but from people with all kinds of backgrounds. However, you know, just sharing the desire to live more fully alive and knowing that you can. So some of the notes said, you know, find something you love 
and do it until you can't. Use this time to dream and envision where you want to go. You have 64 years of wisdom and experience. Tap into that. And somebody says, all the information contained in the 48 Days community will provide you the tools to create a fun, amazing life using your gifts. I can't imagine a better group to help you refine your ideas and create value from your knowledge. Looking forward to growing with you. 48 Days Eagles is an engaged community of encouragement, inspiration, challenges, growth, friendships, and the opportunity to meet lots of fascinating people. Your life will be enriched by being a part of such a great group of people from around the world. Now, I mean, that happened like in 30 minutes, just lots and lots of things coming in. I mean, I even had offers from people to pay for materials for Robert. They said, let me send him 40 days to the work you love, wisdom meets passion, you know, other resources. Let me send people offered to pay for things for this guy, knowing nothing about him, but just that one little sentence. So I shot Robert a note asking for a little more information. I said, what kind of previous work did you do? Are you still in good health? What books or products, 48 Days products, do you already have? I said, I think if you're serious about this, you're going to be blown away by how willing people are to help. I also put in our Eagles community at that point a little note. I said, you know, I see notes like this often. I said, sometimes people just drop in a complaint don't really want things to change. They get used to complaining about how bad things are. We'll see. That was on Thursday. The advice kept pouring in. Cal, you're going to have oversight and occasional direct communication with Dan Miller, to whom I've listened for several years. He's a rich source of godly wisdom and resources. Uh, somebody says, you know, Colonel Sanders retired, got his first social security check, quickly decided he wasn't drawing enough money to live on. So he pulled out the seven herbs and spices his grandmother used when she made her fried chicken, and the rest is finger-licking history. Somebody says, there are two types of questions. I'm 64 years old on Social Security. How can this help me? Or I'm 64 years old on Social Security. How can I help me? Friday morning, I shot another note to Robert. Robert, just checking in. Are you serious about wanting ideas to move forward? And I got this response back. Sorry, not at this time. I live on attractive land and need of a lot of repair. This project will keep me busy for a long time. Thank you. And there you have it. I mean, not interested in free materials or in the valuable ideas that are being offered there. And so it goes. Now, this is tough. This really breaks my heart. And I know this is not unusual. I mean, we, we get this every single day. Here's somebody feeling victimized, too old, not enough income, but suspicious of any possible solutions for a better life. I mean, rich resources readily available, but no, you know, I'd rather just kind of bask in my misery and have reasons to complain about the system. I mean, this is one more reminder that mindset is more important than circumstances. I mean, you drop a Robert in a poverty-ridden area with a growth mindset and you'll not be able to hold him down. You know, I've talked recently about having been to Cuba and even in an oppressive government system, golly, there are things that are just popping up everywhere because people have great ideas. They're taking action on those. And you drop a Robert into an opportunity-rich environment like most of us live in, but with a fixed mindset, he'll be convinced the economy is bad. No one's hiring. The wrong people are in political power. There's no opportunities for old people. You know, in, in April... We're going to be sailing on the beautiful cruise ship, the Celebrity Equinox. I mean, that's our Acres of Diamonds cruise coming up. 
If you've ever been on a cruise, you know the buffets are absolutely amazing with food representing the very best from countries around the world. I mean, not only do you have a broad array of you know protein, vegetables, desserts, but then from countries, from like 18 different countries around the world. I mean, the food is just overwhelming if you aren't used to that. But I can imagine a Robert walking in and thinking there must be some kind of catch to all this and saying, um, I'll just have a glass of water, please. Wow. I mean, I have to wonder even about myself. How many times have I had a wealth of resources, opportunities all around me and people willing to help, and yet I felt overwhelmed in continuing to do what I was used to? I hope that I have my eyes opened to the resources that are readily available. And I hope that you do as well. Well, just wanted to give you an update on that. And... um It'll be interesting. You know, I'll keep, I keep in touch with people like this once in a while, just because my curiosity is uh, peaked. And I, I want to know, how do you move forward? You know, if, if you're in the same place six months from now, it's pretty clear you just decided not to take action, not to do anything to get new results. Well, hey, some questions here. This comes from Rusty who says, I just finished up my goals for 2019. How flexible are your goals? Do you ever change goals mid-year based on how your year is going? Either increasing based on good performance or downward based on unanticipated setbacks. I have a feeling I'll want to add or subtract items as I progress. Great question, Rusty. And a lot of people avoid setting goals for this very thing. They think, how can I predict what it's going to be like in April or, or in October? You know, I can't really tell, so I'm just going to wait and see what happens. Well, that really sets you up to just repeat what you're experiencing now. I mean, that's what's most likely to happen. Setting goals gives you an opportunity to change results and move forward. How flexible am I? I allow about 15% flex room in my goals. That means if something comes up, that is really an astounding opportunity that I hadn't anticipated previously, I'll find room to make that happen. I mean, that happened a few years ago when I had my year really mapped out clearly, was working on some major projects, and then Nightingale Conant, the company out of Chicago, contacted me and said, we've already tested your material with our audience. We'd love for you to come to Chicago and create a six-hour audio program. Wow, that I found room for. That was not part of my goals. That was an upward opportunity. And believe me, I made opportunity for that to be then included in what I considered to be the masters of achievement. All those old greats that we listen to like Jim Rohn and Dennis Waitley and Norman Vincent Peale and Zig Ziglar and current people like Brene Brown and Dave Ramsey, Tony Robbins, Brenda Burchard. Yeah, I'll go do that. I'll modify my goals if something like that comes up. At the same time, if I realize that I'm behind in my goals, I usually don't modify my goal. I mean, there's really no point in doing that. Let's say that you're a salesperson and you, this last year, made $60,000. And so you set a really aggressive goal that you want to make $100,000 this next year. Well, you work, golly, it's October, November, and all of a sudden, you know, we hit November 15th and you realize that's going to be a real stretch. You know, you're probably not going to make that. And you realize that with projections and even with things really going well, you're only going to hit about $92,000. Now let's think about what just happened. 
are you set up for failure at that point because you aren't going to hit a hundred thousand? Wow. If you went from 60,000 to 92, that's an amazing increase. That's wild success. You don't need to apologize about not hitting your goal at all. The big goal still draws you forward. So I set goals that are big. I set goals that I know I'm going to have a real tough time actually hitting. And their goals this year, as we're right here in November, that I had outlined for this year, that I haven't completed. I mean, I thought, sure, I'd have another manuscript for my next book completed. I'm not a third finished with it. There were so many things that came up, and I'm probably just rationalizing. Am I disappointed about that? Now, back to my previous point, I have made progress. I've got a lot of content in there. I've got a strong outline and it won't take me that long to complete it because I've got so much of the preliminary work done, the research, the outline, the proposal and everything. I already have a contract on that, but I did not finish it like I wanted to do. So keep your goals high. And if you have a new opportunity, go ahead and take it. Absolutely. But don't follow every shiny object. Don't just be jumping in new directions. I mean, most things I say no to once I have my goals set, even if it is another opportunity, I do say no to most things. So you can't just keep chasing new rabbits. Be committed to the goals that you set, having given them a lot of thought. But recognize if something outstanding comes along, my gosh, yeah, you're going to do that. And at the same time, you don't need to bring your goals down if you realize you aren't going to hit them totally, as long as you're making progress. We go back to our quotation for today. Success is a progressive realization of a worthwhile goal. So as long as you're moving toward it, you are successful. Great question. Well, Byron says, I have bad job interview skills. My resume seems to be working because I do get interviews but I always get the we regret to inform you emails afterward. Do you know of any book or resources you could point me to that would help me improve and fix what I'm doing wrong? Yes, there are so many resources for that. There are real things that you can do that really will help you in that. There's a brand new book. Matter of fact, I'm considering bringing the guy on and doing a brief interview with him. The book is not out yet, but you can order it. It's titled, Why People Don't Believe You, Building Credibility from the Inside Out. The author is Rob Joles, J-O-L-L-E-S. It really addresses this, that people aren't responding to just all the illustrious things you have on your resume. They really don't care about degrees that you have and all that. It's other things that they're looking at. So that's one book, Why People Don't Believe You, Building Credibility from the Inside Out. There's another one that's fairly new, and again, I'm going to have Vanessa on for an interview in January, but her book is Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People. It's a fascinating book in which she describes how people respond to body clues very quickly. People look, as a matter of fact, what do you look at when you walk into a room and there are people in the room? Most people are going to say, oh, a smile, you know, their eyes. You know what people really look at? their hands. They look at the hands of the person. She says, historically, hands communicated so clearly if you were in danger, if you were going to be welcomed. And she said, we still do that. So that's why it's disastrous for a speaker to walk on stage and put their hands in their pockets. It gives the impression they're hiding something. There's a strong message being sent. So it's a whole bunch of things like that. Vanessa has her face on the front of the book, Captivate, and there's all kinds of visual clues that you get. Now, uh, the reason I mentioned this 
in response to your question, Byron, is because you can learn how to do those things well. You can learn what things to do really, really well in an interview to help you. Now here, I'm going to give you one more book, and then I'm going to give you a couple other tips. One more book that's going to help you interview well, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You probably get tired of hearing me talk about that. The old classic by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, because it's got in there so many things that make you somebody that people want to be around. And if you're interviewing, I mean, we can identify real quickly where the challenge is in any job search process. If you're sending your resume out and you never get any interviews, then we need to look at your resume and figure out why aren't people responding positively to this. If you're sending that resume out and you're getting interviews, then it's doing its job. We don't need to be concerned about your resume. If you've had five or six interviews and you haven't had two or three job offers, wow, something's wrong. In today's workplace, something is wrong. Because if you've had three interviews, you ought to have two job offers. So the question is, why is it that you are getting the opportunity to spend time with people and at the end of the day, they're saying, yeah, we really don't want you on our team. That's my opening comment. You know, to open the show today, you're smart, but we really don't like you. I mean, that's a tough message, but if you recognize it and if you're open to learning, you can change that really quickly. I had a gentleman one time that I worked with. He had been a very successful a chief financial officer of a company for 23 years and then lost his job. You know, no fault of his own, but it just it happens with mergers, acquisitions. Well, he thought, well, no big deal. You know, he's got great credentials. He'll just go get another job. 14 months later, after heavy interviewing, he still did not have a job. He and his wife drove over from Knoxville to see me here in Franklin, came into my office, sat down, we started talking. I mean, we talked for about four minutes and I stopped him and I said, I know what your problem is. I know why you aren't getting job offers. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, every time I start to talk, you raise your voice and interrupt me. You control, you take over control. And his wife is sitting there nodding her head. Uh-huh. 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 I said, how do you think that comes across to a 23 year old human resource person who's interviewing you? They aren't going to tell you that you're very strong. You're powerful in your presence. You're very distinguished. You do have a lot of credentials. They're just simply going to let you know they don't want you on their team. Nobody's going to tell you that. Well, he was blown away, but he was wounded for one thing. He was very teachable and learning just that simple tip allowed him to experience success very, very quickly. Just changing that one little thing. There's something that you're doing that is sabotaging your success and you're wise. I commend you on being open enough to recognize it and being able to look at that. I mean, you could practice interviewing with people, but here's some kind of general rules to remember. Smile. I mean, there, there are few things that convey pleasantness, enthusiasm, and comfort like a smile. Successful people smile a lot. People who frown are not perceived as happy or productive professionals. And you want to be pleasant and outgoing, show self-confidence. I mean, never talk negatively about former employers or coworkers. Show sincere interest in the company and the interview, interviewer. And know your resume thoroughly. I mean, there you can learn how to do interviewing well. You really can. I mean, you don't need to go back and get another degree. And you don't need to spend a whole lot of time, you know, even reading books. You can learn. You ought to be able to nail whatever it is that's not working well for you. In 
48 days to the work you love. And incidentally, I'll communicate with you. If I want to make sure you've got a current copy, I'd be happy to send you a complimentary copy of the brand new edition of this, where I've got new interview tips in there. One of the things I've got in there is really a little story from Love Does, the delightful little book from my friend Bob Goff. But he talks about how He's an attorney, and attorneys are firing questions, trying to catch his clients off guard, and he wants his clients to be relaxed and calm. Here's what he tells them. Have your palms up the whole time. Now, literally, he tells them to have the backs of their hands on their knees and their palms toward the bottom of the table. Now, here's why. I love these little things that we can learn, and it will transform our success. He says, when their palms are up, they have an easier time being calm, honest, and accurate. I mean, you can experiment with this. He says he used to walk around with his fist clenched, defensive, and afraid people were going to take advantage of him. But then he says he learned from Jesus to be palms up. Palms up means you're strong enough to be vulnerable, even with your enemies. When people have their fist clenched, they tend to get angry or defensive and make mistakes. I mean, try this. If you're listening, you can try this. Sit with your hands on your knees and turn your palms skyward. You're going to feel an immediate relaxation that takes over your body. You'll feel more relaxed, less defensive, ready to deal with whatever is in front of you. You'll have more confidence. So if you're headed to do an interview, try this technique. I mean, just spend five minutes calm breathing with your palms up. When you are in an interview, do that. I mean, when we are just at the end of another horrific political season. Thank goodness it's over. So we don't have to see the end. I mean, look at what happens when politicians get together or when the the TV pundits are together. You know, the reality shows, I mean, you'll notice how everybody has tight fist, clenched teeth. I mean, you don't trust those people when you see them in those kind of physical stances. You don't. So practice those things, man. I'm going to, I'll, I'll, Shoot you a note, Byron, to make sure, again, you've got a copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. You can deal with this. Uh, evidenced by your willingness to be open about the problem you're having, you can fix this. And I'm, I'm eager to hear the rest of the story. Well, this comes from John, who says, Dan, thanks for your books. Um, Eagles Group podcast have inspired me immensely over the last few years. Have put me in a great position I now have with tons of hope for the future. Says I've for years served as a sales professional in the field of engineering, cutting tools, and was always disheartened about the company corporate culture and the way the companies I worked for treated their customers. It had always been a hope of mine to start my own tooling company and service customers in a better way with my knowledge and skills in this area. My own company started trading in December of last year. And I worked at a part-time while keeping my day job. All my worries were misguided. I'm off to a flying start. August 14th, I went full-time. And now I've exceeded my earnings from my previous paid position. God, I think about that. So he was working for years as a sales professional in the engineering cutting tools field. Last December, so here we are in November. Last December, started his own company. And by, and then went full-time in August of this year. That's just August, September, October. So just four months ago, and he's already exceeded his earnings in his previous paid position. Boy, that is a classic example of the pattern 
that I promote. Start on the side, start small. But when you see a trajectory and you know that if you move full time, you could replicate your current income in 90 to 120 days. That's three to six months. Wow. John has done that in four months, right on track, matched and exceeded his current, his previous income going out on his own in the same industry, but by going out on his own. Love that. Love that. Thanks for sharing that story. Barbara from Massachusetts says, all right, she says, I'm 33 and have been working in office management for 10 years. I don't love this as my career, but I'm staying with this because my husband is pursuing a career in freelance art. So we need my income to pay the bills. He's had a lot of momentum and I support him fully in his decision and also help out on the business end. My ultimate dream is to stay at home. I get the most joy from cooking and baking, taking care of the home and my husband. Obviously, this brings in no money, so I have to bide my time until his career takes off. And that is assuming it will. I may not even reach my dream depending on our financial situation. How do I deal with knowing what I want to do, but not being able to do it fully? Well, this is one of those we could write a book on on this. You know, we could, we could take your question, Barbara, and literally write a book. 33 years old, been working in office manager 10 years, don't particularly love the job, but doing it because you need the income and you need the income to support your husband while he's building his income, pursuing a career in freelance art. This has to have some timelines on it. Otherwise, you are really going to build in the seeds of resentment and frustration. This can't go on indefinitely. Now, I love the fact that you're supportive of what he's doing. And I love the fact that he's working in art. But this is one of those things where there has to be some kind of a timeline. Now, we just heard the story just prior to this, where the guy in, you know, where John in four months of working full-time on his own bypassed his previous salary. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. There has to be some kind of timeline in this. So I would, you know, I look for that window, as I just mentioned, three to six months. We ought to be up to speed in creating reasonable income. Now I know creative artistic things are difficult to do, but that means if you are not, I mean, there are clear options here. If you're not generating reasonable income, then you can't justify dedicating all your time to that. You can't put all your time and your dream if you're not generating income. What that may mean is that your husband takes a job that he's not thrilled about. It's not his dream job, but he still gets to spend 15 hours a week with his art. That's not an unreasonable prospect at all. Lots of people build their creative skills, their creative side gigs on the side using 15 hours a week. You hear lots of stories that I tell on here about people who have done that. But if he can't create the income to provide, to take care of the needs of your household in a three to six month period of time, and apparently this has been going on for some time already, So you've got a track record of looking at what this is doing. I mean, if this is something where he's been working for two years already in this and he's generating $2,000 a month, I mean, something needs to change now. You don't even need to wait. 
I mean, something needs to change immediately where he does something that creates more income and doesn't dedicate that much time to his art. If there's a way that you see an opportunity for that income from the art to increase dramatically in the next short period of time, then fine, continue with that. But it shouldn't be, the burden should not be on you to just continue and doing something that you don't enjoy indefinitely. Because believe me, that'll grow the seeds of resentment and frustration. Well, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to wrap That's a great one just to, to wrap up there. I'm going to wait on some of the other questions here. Holly, we're going into the holidays. We may vary the time of the, the podcast here. What I really want you to do, I want you to be thinking about your goals for next year. We're right here on top of November 14th. Now, this podcast is airing on November 9th. So that's real close to the 14th. That's five days out. I want you to have your goals in place by November 14th. Now, the reason that's special to me is because it's 48 days before the new year. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it, but the, the principle holds even if you don't use the 48 days. I mean, even before I use that, I always had my goals set by November 15th, just because it's a good timeline to have your goals set clearly. So then you can relax and enjoy the holidays, not be, have to be thinking about it. But here's what happens. If you wait till January to set your goals, you're too late because it takes some time to do that. So all of a sudden it's mid-January and you think, oh man, I didn't really get a good start. I don't have a full 12 months. I'll just wait till next year. Well, you don't want to do that. So you want to be sure that you've got your goals firmly in place well in advance of the new year. And for me, that is November 14th. Here's what happens when you have your goals clearly laid out. It's almost like dominoes start to flip over. When you are clear in your mind about what you want to happen, even if you aren't doing things that you think are particularly putting you on that path, there's something magical about having goals so clearly laid out and doors just start opening. It always surprises me what happens in my goals between November 14th and January 1st. Even though I say I'm just going to slow down, not worry about anything, spend more time with the family. We have some travel trips in there that we do every year. But it's still surprising what happens in that period of time if the goals are firmly identified. So we've got a goal planning sheet for you. It's absolutely free. We're delighted to provide it. We update it every year. If you just go to 48days.com slash goals, you'll go right to that. We'll give you some other resources as well. But you want to make sure you've got those goals laid out. So, hey, I'm going to tell you, that is what you want to do. You want to have the the goals laid out. You want to know what it is you want to accomplish next year. Set your goals high. One of the questions today was, you know, what happens if you set your goals too low or set your goals too high? doesn't matter. Just set them anyway. Set them with something that's reasonable. Set them with things that will really excite you if you accomplish them, if you achieve them. That's what you want to do. Put them out there where it's going to stretch you to make them happen. It's going to be thrilling if you do. And if you don't, you're still going to make massive progress toward those. I'll share some of mine as we get closer to the first of the year. I always set pretty outrageous goals. If I ever accomplished all my goals that I had set out, I'd be mortified. I'd know that I set my sights too low. I want things that stretch me. Joanna and I have some really 
outrageous kind of things that we have planned in the next few months. We're going to have some transitions and some new things and the ending of some things in 2019 like we've not experienced in 20 or 30 years. I'm excited about that. That energizes me to know that that's coming, to know that we've got those kind of opportunities ahead, those opportunities for change, new things that we've never done before, getting out of some old ruts, just shaking things up. Wow, what an opportunity. You've got all those as well. Again, just go to 48days.com slash goals. Get the worksheet. Fill that out. Share with me what's happened, even in your thinking about it. And if you got questions, just shoot those into askdan at 48days.com. Simple email. Those come right directly to me. No one else sees those but me. Askdan at 48days.com. So congratulations on moving forward, as I know you are. Keep your success stories, questions coming in. Love sharing those here. Consider it an honor to be part of your lives in this way every week. In this community where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.